0: You realize that the Lord doesn't need to do one more thing for us, and He's already done more than we need. But yet we get to keep experiencing His blessings, don't we? Would you you join me again today, once again, as we sit at the feet of Jesus? That's what those disciples, those early disciples, got to do in the Sermon on the Mount as He sat down and He began to teach them. And I'd like for us, if we could, to imagine as if we were there at the feet of Jesus. And listen again to these amazing words that challenge everything about the way we live in the values of this world. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. The disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. May we sit at the feet of Jesus today to learn something new that maybe we've not heard and understood before in our lives. May we sit at the feet of Jesus today to let that truth change us. May we sit at the feet of Jesus today to allow that change to make us more like Jesus, to grow into his likeness. Today, as I continue a series on the Beatitudes that I've just read to you, I'd like to focus in upon that third Beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. (laughs) We live in a world that seems to respect only winners. We live in a world that... um, Values success and power and influence more than just about anything else. But Jesus today here is wanting to help us to define a different type of winner. A winner that is defined by being a part of his kingdom and living by the values of an eternal kingdom, not a worldly kingdom. He says... The winners in his kingdom are the meek, not the powerful, not the victorious, not the successful. Yet, most of us here today find the desire for the successes and the influences and the, the victories of this world so appealing that it is very difficult for us to Let them go. After all, everyone loves a winner, don't they? I uh, was thinking a little bit about what it means to be meek in a world that only seems to um, value and to respect those who are powerful and on top. But yet, if you think about it, we are called not to be like the world, but to be like Jesus, who was meek and lowly in heart, wasn't he? Let's, let's first of all settle one thing. There seems to be an impression in the, the, in the minds of many people that meekness is the same thing as weakness, that meekness is sort of like being the doormats over which people are willing to walk. I want to tell you something. When you see genuine meekness being lived out in the lives of people, you find out it is not weakness. In fact, it takes a form of strength and, and, and uh, fortitude that the world seems to know very little about. Are we willing to settle for the world's understanding of success? Or are we willing to grasp hold of what it means to have Jesus type of success? To be a winner according to Jesus values. Let's let's think just a little bit, if we could, about this idea of worldly success, of what it really brings to us in terms of our experience. And I, I, I think in some ways, once you've lived life long enough, you begin to realize just how How true this is. So I know that for many of you people who are in my generation now, most of what I'm going to say here about worldly success is going to be something you've already experienced. It's probably in some ways the younger folks here today that have the biggest challenge of grasping the wisdom of knowing what it is to live by kingdom values when it comes to worldly success. You see, we we live in a culture, particularly in our Western culture, that is all seemingly based upon the attainment of success, the ability to compete well in a world that is a dog-eat-dog world. And so we generally are doing everything that we can, I know I did, to equip our young people, our children, to be able to compete successfully in this world so we try to give them skills and we give them education and we give them uh, abilities and and we look for them to have talents and all of these things. And all of those are good and important in reality, we need to be the best that we can be. Uh, Please do not interpret what I am trying to preach this morning as a suggestion that we are not to be the best that we can be. But what that ultimately is and can be lived out in is in a spirit and an attitude of meekness, not in an attitude that fits the kind of values that this world seems to want to give us. I've lived enough and I've watched enough that I've learned some things about worldly success. Here are some things that I've noticed. No matter how much success you begin to experience in this world by its values, it is always temporary. It never lasts. Okay? It never lasts. I, I've, I've had successes. And, and the usual thing about having any successes is that it only brings you to a point where you need to repeat that same thing over and over again in order to continue to enjoy that success. Um, I've I've noticed that uh, in the business world today that um, the business world is based upon success being defined as the ability to sustain continued growth in your business. If you're not growing, you're failing, okay? And sooner or later, if you're not growing, they're going to put you out of business, if you think about that, that what that really means is that there is no such thing as being able to sustain continued growth over a, an unlimited time. Sooner or later, you're going to reach a level where you, there's no more growth possible, and then suddenly you'll be starting to feel like and being defi- defined as, as a failure. Um, I, I, I think that that is very easy for us, and I'm going to kind of get into a little area here when I talk to, to the church. Okay? I, I'm going to talk to us as, a, as, a, as Christians involved in understanding that we, we understand that to be Christian means to be a part of the body of Christ. To be a part of the body of Christ means to be a part of, of a church. And so you are here. You, you, you believe that, I believe. And I. Uh, I, I've been a pastor. You see, I, I, I'm one of those oddball pastors. Some of you know this. That I pastored the same church for 40 years. I started in Middletown when when it was just a, a little church in the corner, and it was a church that had never apparently, seemingly done much. I, I seemed to come at the right time, and and one of the things that I know now, as I look back over my years of ministry, I had the, I had the, I don't even know what it was, but I had the experience of of having success as a pastor, okay? In other words, our church did what successful churches do. They grow, okay? And if you're growing, you must be doing something. You're successful, okay? And and, and, I, and I got to experience, I got to ride that wave, okay, as a pastor for, for many years, we... We, I, I stuck it out for six years, and then we built our first building, and then we built another building, and then, and by all the measures of what it means to be successful in pastoral ministry, I was on there. Okay, you know, there, there's one thing about that kind of success is that sometimes it can start to go to your head a little bit. I think it did. I never wanted it to. I never intentionally did that. I'd have people sometimes say to me back in those. Big years, people would say, boy, you must be really doing something great. You're doing something wonderful. You're doing something right there in Middletown. And I can remember I would often say to them, you know, I know we're doing something popular. I just hope we're doing something right. But, you know, I, I found out that um, as you begin to experience that kind of success, Here's one of the things that happens. Okay. Some of you pastors that are here, you know what this is like. You go to district assembly and every pastor gets to give a report. Okay. You stand up and your whole value as a pastor base is based upon what happened during that last year. Okay. So did you get to report three things? Okay. There are the three B's. Okay, bodies, buildings, budgets. Okay, did, did you succeed this last year in having more bodies coming? More, did you grow in membership? Number two, did you, uh, uh, did, did you do something to make your church better in its facilities and so forth? And, and then did you, uh, did you have, well, did you pay your budgets more than anything else? <laughs> uh, did, you know, so all that stuff. And so, you you did that. I did that. But then, then I began to have some of those years where, you see, Middletown, the church that I was pastoring is a church in a little community of about 2,500 people, and we were running almost 500 people. You know, that's a pretty good percentage of the community, okay? And I don't know exactly what happened and so forth, but we reached this thing where the we no longer were growing. And if your value system is based upon worldly values of success, you begin to find out that success doesn't feel so good when you aren't feeling successful. And we reached the plateau, and then we started seeing some decline, and all of a sudden, our value systems, my value system, began to be defined By worldly success and not by godly values. I just need you to know as a a church, I know this church has gone through a lot of ups and downs through the years. The real question for you as a success in church should never be based, I believe, ultimately upon worldly successful values based upon the three B's are we doing the work of Christ? Okay. Blessed are the meek. Okay. So, so one of the things I just need you to know, if you are, if you are a church, if you're a business, if you're an individual and so forth, I want you to know that if you are basing your value as a person upon the idea of some sort of worldly types of success, I guarantee you it's going to be temporary. Um, I happen to live in central Indiana. I'm a Colts fan, okay? In some ways, that's, I think, sometimes sort of like becoming like a Cubs fan, okay? Um, but, but here's one thing I know. Do you know what happened in 2006? Does anybody know what happened in 2006? Huh? The Bears lost to the Colts in the, world, in, the, in, in the Super Bowl. Okay? And so the Colts were at the top. They were successful. What happened the next year? They didn't win again, did they? In fact, they've never won again. They, they made it to the World Series another time. But the World Series. They might as well have made it to the World Series. <laughs> they made it to the Super Bowl again. But that's, you know, what I'm saying is, I want to tell you something. No matter how much success you have in this world, it's never going to last. Okay? Here's another thing about worldly success. Um, And that is, it's lonely at the top. Okay? It's lonely. Success. We 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 want success so that we will have the accolades of those around us but if you ever notice that when you truly get to a point of being successful at the top there are two things that happen number 1 is other people are not nearly hap- as happy about your success as you are in fact what they're thinking about is some way of the toppling you down okay it's lonely at the top not only because people don't succeed but people really aren't celebrating with you it's lonely up there isn't it going back to my sports analogy what happened last weekend that would make a Colts fan really happy the Patriots lost that's right I don't know if anybody else understands that whole value system and that is whoever's on top, everybody else wants them to lose. If your your idea of success is that I'm going to be at the top, I guarantee you it's not going to feel really good up there because it's lonely. It's not only lonely. Oh, by the way, i I, I, just going back to my little church analogy. (laughs) (laughs) I found out that Succeeding in pastoral ministry can be lonely, too. Because other pastors aren't nearly as happy for you as you think they ought to be. Does anybody pastors know what I'm talking about there? Okay. I just need you to know something. We let sometimes the value systems of the world define who we are as a church, too. And that doesn't work very well. Because it's lonely at the top. And lastly, being successful by world standards never feels as good as we thought it would. It's not very satisfying. It has to be sustained. It never really meets the bid. So so when Jesus gives us an encouragement to change the value system of our lives from that of power and influence and worldly success to a heavenly version of success, when he says, Blessed are the meek, he's offering us something that can last. Because you see, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, here's where our modern kind of eschatology, if I can use that term, our understanding of the future, kind of gets messed up because. Many of our ideas of what lies ahead for us is not what the Bible teaches, okay? Do you know what the Bible teaches about what God has in store for us? He has in store for us not just heaven. He has in store for us a new heaven and a new earth, okay? Our future is not some sort of ethereal existence of floating up around on a cloud and strumming a harp. I'm not sure that's something I want to do anyway for eternity. Our future is for a new heaven and a new earth and a new body and new eternity that is real and physical. When God created, he created that which is good and he's going to restore that which is good. There is going to be a new heaven and earth and guess what? that's our future. The the meek will inherit the earth, okay? And and I I want to point out two things about that promise, okay? The meek inherit, that is a value system that comes as a result of being children of God, okay? It's our inheritance. We're going to be Receiving that which is more than we could ever imagine by, by than 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 what this worldly success we look to be having worldly success and having all of these things and all of this success and all of this power and all of this influence which cannot and will not last but we are promised to receive an inheritance that is guaranteed that will last for eternity it can never take it away it'll only get better I think that's 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 worth having don't you I need that. And you know what? I found out that trying to just compete by this worldly value system is really pretty miserable. It's no fun trying to win the worldly battles when we get to live by heavenly values. Blessed are the meek. What does it mean to be meek? Well, let me just share a few thoughts on what the qualities of meekness really are because that's what I think we want to be. First of all, meekness will always start in our relationship with God Himself. When we are meek, we begin with the understanding that there is a God. He is real and He is available, and He is present. There is a God, but we're not Him. Okay? To be meek to realize is that we are existing as a result of and being in a relationship with the God of the universe, and our role is to revere and to worship Him, to be in a proper relationship with Him. To have reverence for God is at the very essence of what it means to be someone who is meek. Because if you think about, worldly success basically encourages us to treat ourselves as though we are our own gods and that we have to be strong and powerful and and successful by worldly standards, but when we are... Meek in the presence of God, we realize that we are totally and completely relying upon him, depending upon him, and he is our sufficiency. So meekness begins in being in a relationship with God in which God is God and we are not. But meekness also comes down to having an attitude that becomes more and more like Jesus. Meekness is to be like Jesus. Now, I don't know what kind of a person you thought Jesus is because remember, Jesus was the Son of God. He had all the power, all of the ability to call down heaven and all of those things. He was the divine Son of God, but how did He present Himself in the world in which we live? He came as one of us and He came in Meekness. Let me let me, if I could, uh, remind you of a passage of scripture. In which we are given instructions once again from the same book that I read earlier that day, from Philippians, and this is what Paul talked to the church there, and you think he talks to us too. He says, therefore. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being in the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, and tend on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. By the way, the word meekness could probably best also be termed humility, humbleness. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death upon the cross. To be meek is ultimately to become like Jesus, who when faced with the powers of the world that came up against him, spoke not a word of defense, but offered himself as a sacrifice. He did that not out of weakness, but out of obedience of being who God sent him to come and to do. We are called to be a people in this world who do not find it necessary to defend ourselves against the evils of the world, but instead to offer ourselves as an example of Christ where they see in us the same Jesus who gave himself for the sins of the world. And we are called to be like Jesus in that same spirit of meekness. I'm convinced that the opportunities in which our meekness expresses itself most effectively is not in those times of our successes and victories, but in how we deal with our failures and our struggles and our defeats. We often hear this, that, uh, and I believe that it's true, that Our characters ultimately are formed more by our sufferings than they are by our successes and blessings. I believe meekness ultimately finds itself being expressed similar to what what the Apostle Paul was writing when he says, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, But not also, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We show meekness in how God works in us through our weakness for His glory to show His strength and He gets the glory. The Apostle Paul wrote later, he says, but God works in all things for the good of those that love Him. And I've learned that not all things that happen are good, but God never fails to take those situations and work them for our good and those become for us in a world that doesn't understand that type of life those become for us the greatest testimonies by which God gets the glory through our sufferings and our failures if all we can do is to talk around and say look how God has blessed me through my successes See how God has protected me. See how God has done good things for me. Oh, God is so, and he is. Every blessing that we receive, every success we have, every good thing that happens, we should give God thanks and glory for. But our word tells us that we not only give him glory in the midst of our successes and joys, but we also present to him our failures and our defeats and our sufferings. And we see how God glorifies himself and works for his glory in the midst of that. And we can rejoice in them, not because we like going through them, but because he is faithful. And that's what meekness is. Perhaps, perhaps the greatest sign of meekness is found in our willingness to serve and not be served. To give and to not receive. To be last and not first. To be willing to be the least as opposed to the greatest. I think this is a value that the longer I've lived, I've grown to become a greater appreciation for. I have been now watching and seeing the lives of people who've lived their lives and are now facing the end. That's my life as a hospice chaplain. And very often I will begin to learn things about people's lives based upon what I hear of their history. But what I see often is pretty much a shell of a person. And I've learned that those who have experienced the greatest earthly successes and those who have had sometimes the most difficult of lives, when it comes to the end, all things are equal. What I see, what I see is that those who have given their lives not for personal gain and success and power and influence, are not the rich ones. The wealthy ones are those who have learned what it means to serve and to give and to sacrifice. For those are the ones who have family members that are standing alongside of them, honoring them. Aren't you glad to know that regardless of what your earthly success is, if you have given your life in sacrifice for the service of others, that becomes the value that lasts for eternity. It really does. And that's why I believe that when Jesus says, He who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven must be the one who serves, not as served. He who must be willing to be the least and not the greatest. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let me just share one more value and then I'll be done. I believe that perhaps one of the greatest values in meekness is the kind of strength that understands what it means to persevere in the midst of life's difficulties. if your idea of life is based only upon being blessed in material or positional or possessions and all of those types of things, if that is your idea of success, then when it is no longer present, you become a failure. But when your value system is based upon Staying true to the Savior who gave his life for you and demonstrating to a world of a life of service and giving and being like Jesus, that is a life that must persevere through life's hardships. And to persevere is that which gives us the greatest quality of being like Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. My question for you, are you willing, if necessary, to sacrifice worldly success for eternal reward? When Jesus said, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, he knew what he was talking about. But instead, lay up for yourself treasures in heavenly realms where moth and rust cannot corrupt and give you an eternal reward. Do you want to be... Like the world says success is? Or do you want to be more like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. Would you stand with me, please?